the timelines and everything. And, and that's only happened in like a few years. I feel and like we're the, we're the guinea pigs, you know, we're the test subjects of this, for this information and how fast humanity is going to wake up. Because yes. <laughs> we're ready. And, you know, and Nicholas said to me uh, in his timeline, this disclosure happened in the early 1950s, but it wasn't really until the late 60s or early 70s that society kind of calmed down and they were more awakened. They didn't have their ascension event yet, which is what they were waiting for. And that's why they were doing timeline healing, because they felt that that would help, um, you know, help everyone do that a little more easily but he said that in our timeline if this disclosure happened like it did in his timeline our society would wake up fairly quickly within three to five years because we have the technology that we do now with the internet and uh, communication just being a globally connected society and information traveling so quickly like it does so he seemed very hopeful for us that if we could do it it would happen very quickly for us, whereas for his timeline, it did take a decade or so, maybe more. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media dialogue that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain, expanding your reality, awakening consciousness, and having some delicious conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. So great to be with you again. I have a fascinating young woman to speak with you today. Her name is Alison G, goddess Alison, she calls herself. She's a preschool teacher and she has a fascinating story to tell. Maybe if a few of you have been looking on YouTube or Googling, you might have seen her story, but there's not a lot of her on YouTube or on the internet. But she was exploring consciousness and watching a whole lot of YouTubes and Gaia. And, um, and of course, when we, when we focus on something, we get to create our reality, no matter how bizarre or fantastic it is. And that's exactly what Alison experienced. She experienced going to different parallel realities and exploring timelines. So we're going to have a discussion all about that today. Welcome to the show, Alison. Yeah. So great to have you on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I love that you're a preschool teacher. I love that she's working with the new kids, you know, the new kids on the block. I'm such a big fan of the children. I think the children are just coming in with a consciousness. It's just much more expanded than the majority of us. So let's get into your story. 
let's start at you exploring consciousness and questions that you were asking yourself because you said to me when we had a bit of a chat before that you watched a lot of different programs what were you thinking like what were the questions you were asking well I have a lot of experience in holistic health and wellness about over 10 years of experience and re and I don't have very many strikingly paranormal experiences like with angelic visions or ghosts or I don't have any conscious memory of interactions with ET but uh, since September of 2015 I have been watching Gaia TV and I feel like that has really helped to open my consciousness to a new level and I was watching Gaia TV and I was listening to some YouTube videos by a woman named Bridget Nielsen. And I also read a book by a woman named Barbara Lamb. She wrote a book called Alien Experiences. So before in my holistic training, I wasn't really open to a lot of the information about aliens, UFOs, conspiracy theory, and that sort of thing. But I think this information helped me open my consciousness in a way that was what I was ready to receive, in a way that made sense and in a way that was practical for me to understand how it all fits into the big picture of this planet. And many synchronistic things happened to get me into this information. And after I signed up for a retreat um, in Sedona with Bridget, I had a shortly after that, I had a very strange paranormal experience in what some people might think of was my sleep or in dream time. But I know that this experience, this particular experience that I had, it was not a dream. And what happened in summary, basically, I was taken from my bed in Seattle, Washington, where I live. And I was taken to a parallel timeline, which is how I understood it after my visit. And I experienced three days time in this parallel timeline in what I could only deduce was some kind of facility or I call it a hospital, a timeline healing hospital, but it was a facility and it was in Anaheim, California. And then I was sent back to my, I call it my native timeline and for me, three days had passed within the span of three of our hours. So it was the same day that I had been taken about three hours later. But for me, I had just experienced three days in a parallel timeline where they'd had, um, this was a post-disclosure timeline. So in this timeline, it was 2016 for them. And I was in America, I was in Anaheim, California, and they had had the disclosure from the American government somehow to the American people of the issue of extraterrestrials and UFOs. Like the truth came out in the early 1950s, mm -hmm. shortly after my caretaker in the hospital, I'm just going to call it a hospital. It's a facility, but my caretaker in the hospital said that it happened shortly after the UFOs were spotted over Washington, D.C. in 1952. So their society progressed from there, and they had all of the technology that we would have if our corporate and governmental elite 
and military elite wasn't holding it from our society. And they were able to understand quantum physics better than I think we do here. And they somehow were able to take, I would call it our astral or energetic bodies from our native timelines and put it into this facility. And I was able to interact with myself in other timelines. And basically, I think what they are attempting to do is help heal timelines like ours, where we don't have this full disclosure of this extraterrestrial and flying saucer issue where we're not yet a space-faring race. We are not yet given that jump into what some may call fourth density civilization. So that's that's basically what I experienced. It was okay. So many questions come up, you know, listening to this story. And I would imagine that people, were, you know, who are listening to this thinking, oh, she just had a dream or it was just some yeah. fantasy of her imagination. And yesterday I put on a webinar connecting to your spirit guides. And, and one of the girls said, when I did a, a visualization or when I took them somewhere, she said, look, I think it was just my imagination, but I want to get clear about imagination. I read years ago on the Seth books that every thought that you ever have becomes manifest. So there is no such thing really as imagination just being fantasy because any thought can become manifest in this multi-dimensional, infinite possibility, multi-universe. So that sort of dispels that, oh, she's just having a dream. But we do have dreams that are kind of crazy. How do you know it was not just some crazy dream and you actually experienced something beyond the dream state, like it was an astral adventure. Yes. And what was strange to me about this experience is that I experienced things that you don't experience in a regular dream that science says your part of your brain is not active for, for instance, reading uh, words on a sign or experiencing time passing or, Uh, just little things like that, things happening in a very logical and chronological order and making sense in relation to my life here. Whereas dreams often make sense within the context of the reality of the dream, but they don't often make sense directly in correlation to your life and your consciousness in your waking reality. And this experience very much did relate to my life here. And another thing that really stood out to me during the experience, I saw myself from other timelines as a baby, a child, an elderly person, a teenager in different stages of life and from different timelines, like I had very different lifestyles. And I remember in the experience, during the experience, feeling like I had been there before to this facility and thinking, oh, well, this baby and this child, they're scared and it's okay. It doesn't matter because they're just going to be sent back home. They're going to wake up from the experience just like it was a dream, even though it's not a dream and they'll just go back to their normal lives and it'll be fine. And this elderly version of me, I knew that she was aware that this experience wasn't a dream and that she was going to go back and wake up Uh, and be sent home knowing full well what her uh, experience was here and what it meant more than I did. So 
I feel like in dreams, you don't, you don't think, oh, it's no big deal. We're just all going to go back and wake up like it's a dream, even though it's not. And I really had a sensory sense during the experience. Like I remember what a monkey's fur felt like. I remember how deep my fingers sunk into the fur when I picked up the monkey. I remember eating and what things tasted like. And it's just in normal dreams, you don't have that sense of the five senses. Like, I think you might if somebody, and I didn't really understand until I had a hypnotherapy regression session about this experience. But I think that if some, because people like Corey Good says some ETs have the technology to pull our astral body from our physical body and take us that way and work on us and either help us or whatever they do. And I think these people from this timeline, since they had all of the technology that from our perspective that ETs have, they had the technology to take what I would, I would guess would be our astral or energetic body into their facility or what have you. And in that body, you would experience, you might experience touch and you may experience telepathy and eating you you might have to eat I don't remember going to the bathroom ever during the experience which I stated in the document that I wrote but that was kind of weird I didn't have to wear glasses and you know have glasses in my life here so I would guess that that was some kind of technology and my computer acted very strangely before the experience my computer in this timeline, the one I'm talking to you on right now, it kept waking up from being asleep and it wanted to update itself sometimes. And I was just like, what is it doing? I need to shut it down. And I thought I'd shut it down. And then it was awake again a little bit later. And it kept waking up, even though it was supposed to be in sleep mode or like hibernation or whatever it's supposed to do. And it never does that. So I, I, after the experience, I remember from reading Barbara Lamb's book or hearing something about alien abductions that oftentimes before an abduction, the electronics might act funny. And I Uh thought, oh, the convenient of them to have this technology. So (laughs) it's just, I just be being honest about what happened to me, how I experienced it from my perspective and my perception. And I wrote a large document and made YouTube videos and I don't, I okay. mean, if people don't like the information. That's okay. They don't, well, they don't have to. And let's explore what, what you went through. It's interesting to know the difference between a astral projection experience and a dream. I was having this discussion with Cyrus Kirkpatrick who can astral project anytime he wants to. He just, he just deliberately does it. And he has this experience of living two different lives, this reality and another astral parallel reality where he does different things. And we were talking about the difference between dreams and astral projection because he has the ability to do it consciously and deliberately whereas most of us do not well I don't anyway I'd love to know how to do it to tell you the truth I've been trying to do it every night (laughs) but when we fall asleep and then wake up again we have to bring this memory back and when we get focused on our physical lives here often the memory of what we've experienced at night fades and uh yeah, this one didn't for me. And exactly. that's how I knew it was something was 
off about, and even when I was there, something seemed to be wrong about my visit or not wrong in a negative sense, but something seemed to be amiss where my caretaker wasn't sure what to do with me. And I think it had something to do with how open my consciousness was compared to what timeline I came from. And I remembered everything that happened just like it was an event that happened yesterday. Like if you would have asked me what I did yesterday, that's how vividly and how easily I could recall it. Even after I woke up a lot of dreams, you remember them when you first wake up and then you go about your day and you forget them later. This one, it's, it's stuck with me even now. Like if you wanted me to recall everything that happened, I could generally tell you, you know, day by day what happened to me. So So let's just explore it. So you awoke into a new reality and you were in a room with a person who you call your caretaker. Did he have a name? What was his name? His name was Nicholas. And from what I understood when I awoke in that room, I I thought I was in a hospital. I literally thought that I had been injured or something had happened to me and I had been taken to a hospital and I just had no memory of being hurt, you know, and maybe these people had found me, maybe they were my friends and they, or maybe they had like found me at the accident and brought me to the hospital. So they thought they were like my friends or caretakers or something, but I didn't know. And then when he came up to, I was laying in the bed and he came up to my bed and uh, I was like, Oh, I, I recognize this person somehow. I don't, you know, I didn't remember in my physical life here. I didn't remember who he was, but he was like, Oh, everything is all right. You're, you're fine. Just be calm. And Peter will be along soon. And I was like, Oh, I remember Peter and this is Nicholas. And Nicholas is a younger gentleman, maybe like in his thirties or late twenties and maybe more around my age. I'm 33, even though people don't think I am most of the time, but he seemed more around my age and he was with me. I would say all the time that I can remember being awake in the house, just call it a hospital. So you woke up in a hospital facility and you just thought that you were experiencing this timeline like your life. Yeah. And you thought, oh my God, I've had an accident. What's happened to me? And, <laughs> and obviously you're asking questions. Did you ask him some questions like, where am I? What happened to me? Um, I don't remember when I woke up the first time, I don't remember what specifically I said, but it must have been something like, you know, where am I or what happened? Because I could see that there was a person standing um, a little ways off. And so he came up to the bed and I was like, oh, I recognize this guy. And he was like, it's all right. Everything's going to be okay. You're, you're all right. Peter will be here soon. And I was like, oh, I remember this guy somehow. He's familiar. And I remember Peter. He's the older he's an older, like more doctorly gentleman. And I think he was more in charge of the, whatever experiments they were doing with me or whatever work it was that they were, do- they were doing. Cause he would only come in sometimes when they were running sessions. And then Nicholas was like always there to take care of me. And so he came up to the bed and was like calming, reassuring me. And I was like, Oh, everything's fine. I just go back to sleep. So I thought I was going back to sleep and you know, maybe they were going to fix me up in the hospital, but I wasn't in hospital here. <laughs> so when did you figure out that you were like not in Kansas anymore? You know, from that you know, um, not in Kansas anymore. A few events happened and 
from what I understood, they had a uh, virtual reality in the hospital. Like I already knew this somehow, like I had been there before to this hospital and I couldn't remember specific events or specific things that happened to me, but I just remembered common knowledge. Like, Oh, they have virtual reality and that's normal. You know, like the holodeck on the Star Trek show that we've seen. And so they did sessions with me and that was normal. They were just doing sessions to try and deduce some kind of information about my personality or my timeline or something. I don't know. But so the first session, they were pretending to be spiritual people. They were dressing in clothes that I see my friends in. I just say spiritual people. It's like the festival artsy type people yeah, that I like hang out with. And, creative collectives or collective yeah. creatives or new age I, people. Whatever. Yeah, I live in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle in the United States and it's full of those kind of people. Mm-hmm. So they were dressed similarly and they, we were in a sort of place that seemed familiar to me, but I knew it was virtual reality. So it was no big deal. And they were asking me about kombucha, how to make kombucha. Cause I, I've self-published some books in this reality. And so they wanted to know about how to make kombucha. And they're asking me about that. And I was excited to talk to them. And then something strange happened, like the door to the room turned into a brick wall, like I was trapped in the room. And they I feel like they wanted to see how I would react. But instead of being scared or frightened, at first, I didn't know what was going on or how I was going to get out of the room. But then I just turned to them and I said, look, I know this is just virtual reality. So it's like kind of like knock it off kind of thing. And then the whole, the whole, um, I guess, session or experiment or virtuality is shut down. And then the hospital room looked normal again. And Peter and Nicholas were back in the clothes that I normally saw them in, which was like, not formal, but very typical for, I would say my timeline, khakis, polo shirts, you know, just very, not even like they were at work or that they had a uniform, just like civilian clothing, you know, and Peter, I could tell he was a little upset or just out of sorts because maybe this session didn't go the way he wanted it to. So he kind of stormed out of the room and I went after him to see what was wrong. And he came at, he kind of came at me and he said, you know, those timelines you leaked, whatever timelines they were, um, and I think he meant whether they were positive or negative timelines. He said, whatever timelines they were that you leaked, you gave them more energy and they're more likely to happen. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, did I make YouTube videos or what, what are you talking about? And so, um, I think he, he thought that I was a different Allison from a slightly similar, but different timeline. Um, maybe because of where my consciousness is at from watching Gaia TV and just being all so very open and accepting and just not even phased by this technology or somehow I knew that this was virtual reality. And so he thought he must have thought that I was a different Allison yeah. in that moment or been confused in his emotional upset. And then um, I had to carry around a device with me, which they had disguised it as the like iPhone, iPod type device that I just normally carry around in my life here. So I would behave normally towards it. And then the screen, it was like making a, maybe it was uh, the, 
there was, it was me talking on the screen from, it was like a voice in my pocket. So I took it out and I showed him and she was talking to him on the screen of this device. And basically telling him, look, you got the wrong, <laughs> you got the wrong Allison. It's a happy kind of synchronistic mistake. What are you going to do about it? I'd like you to think carefully kind of about what you're going to do about this mistake. You just shut the, basically like letting him know, Hey, you just shut the virtual reality off. This is the wrong Allison. You meant to scold me kind of thing. And I didn't know what they were saying. It's kind of like when you're a kid and your parents are talking and they're having a discussion, but you kind of, you understand the words, but you don't really know what the hell they're saying. And so, um, that, um, it seemed fine. And, but I didn't know what was happening. So I didn't know what was going on. And Peter wouldn't explain it to me. And I couldn't control my body. And my body was just kind of being, I guess, um, programmed or forced, I don't know how to describe it, into the fetal position on the floor. And the last thing I was kind of like begging him, the last thing I said before I lost consciousness was like, you know, what, um, what timelines did I leak? Like, what are you, please like explain it to me. There's, you know, something I was like begging him to tell me what was going on, what was happening, but I just like lost consciousness. And I, before I lost consciousness, I thought, oh, well, I don't know what's going on, but it's no big deal. Cause I'm just going to wake up back in my life and it's, um, I'm not going to remember this and it's going to be fine. And then I didn't wake up back here in my life. And I woke up in the hospital again and a couple other sessions happened and I didn't really know what was going on. And then the third day I woke up, I wasn't in a session. So they usually ran sessions with me. Um, I just call it the third day, but it was really like a morning time that I was there. And I was just kind of hanging out in the hospital room, which was odd to me. And I had been there too long. I felt like I had been there longer than they usually kept me. And I asked Nicholas, I said, when are you going to send me back? And he said, oh, no, you can't go back yet because we need you to heal the other timelines. And by this time, I had interacted with you know, myself from other timelines and done another session with them. So I was like, oh, maybe because of all this Gaia TV that I've been watching, I, my consciousness is in a different place now and I can help heal these other selves of me that are from other timelines. I can help heal them better because of where my consciousness is at. So I just figured, oh, they're going to keep me here and I don't know how long it's going to be. And then um, I went into an operating room that was like adjacent to my hospital room. And I saw myself on a table. I was a teenager, maybe like 13 to 16 years old. And I got the sense that this girl was dying and they were trying to save her. And they had brought in me and other me's from other timelines at different stages of life. There's a baby, a child, about five or six maybe eight years old, because I look very young for my age, so I couldn't even really tell how old I was. And then there's an elderly version, me from another timeline. And the nurse that was attending to this teenager on the table was humanoid, but she wasn't human looking like us. She looked, to me, I because of all my cosmic disclosure education, I just thought she was a hybrid between a gray alien and an insectoid humanoid and didn't have any clothes on that I could tell seemed like she was naked but that wasn't unusual so 
I had that experience. And then I came back into the room and I was just like, you know, I don't know if that girl's gonna, I was thinking, you know, I don't know if she's gonna die or if she's gonna get well after they send her home and she wakes up. And uh, there was a monkey that was sent into my room for like, emotional well-being companionship and comfort I think and my impression was that if they had other beings in this hospital they would send the some people might not know what this means but the second density life form that they were told they had evolved from so for us in our timeline we were told you evolved from a monkey right so they sent in this monkey it was like a it was as big as like a small dog or a large cat. And it, I don't know how smart it was, but it was very loving and it had been trained to be like emotionally affectionate and comforting. And so I, um, I knew that this monkey, I had seen it before and it, um, so it was like my pet, but it was there, it was doing a job there in the hospital. And I got the sense that if there were other beings uh, in the hospital, say like bird people, they would have sent birds in to help them, you know, be calm and comforted. And so I got a monkey and uh, his name was Muffin and I picked him up and I held him and he had a digital tag on. So my iPod device that I was describing about on the first day, uh, it was in like my left hip pocket or dangling on my left hip somehow when I picked it up. And this monkey also had a tag on his left hip, like a collar, but it was around his waist instead of around his neck. And this, I think was the first time I had noticed this monkey had this uh, collar or tag, but I understood that it was a digital, a digital tag. It felt like cloth. It felt like fabric, like that reflective material on the jackets that traffic workers wear, uh, you know, that kind of stuff to, you know, people can see in, in the night, um, really well. It felt like that material. And I knew that it was a digital screen somehow. So they had some great technology i guess to so turn was, he like a, was he like a digital hologram the monkey or was he no the monkey was real the monkey had a tag on his hip like when a collar when you say real the monkey was third dimensional physical reality yes yeah. yes yes it was like they sent a cat or a dog into my room to help yeah give me companionship and emotional support let me, and, let me ask you did you did you ask about the current timeline that you were experiencing? Um, like, did I didn't, you... At that time in my experience, I didn't realize where I was or how it related to the life that I knew here. And so something happened. There was a message on this monkey's tag and I asked my caretaker about it and he looked really taken aback because it was before the presidential election in the United States. And I didn't know how long they were going to keep me here. And this message seemed to be some kind of message about the presidential election. And I kind of asked him, you know, if they have the election, I said, if something happens in my country while I'm here, would you tell me about it? Or would I be able to watch the news or, or something like that? And he kind of looked a little taken aback. Like he, um, I later on, I realized that he, almost forgot that we had presidents because they didn't have presidents there anymore or and so 
he didn't know what to do about me or how he to respond to what I was asking him. So he said, come over near me. We're going to go to the roof. And I was like, oh, good, great. I don't know why we're going to the roof, but we went up to the roof like we were teleported there or something. Like they had short distance teleportation technology at least. And then I was out on the roof. It was like I was in public at this hospital. It was like I was at the front entrance of the facility or the hospital, but we were on the roof and I could see the city that I was in. I didn't know what city it was. I could see the architecture. I could see the people, like the public walking around. It was almost like we were in a busy airport or busy train station or something. People were coming and going. There were um, shuttle buses in the distance and I could tell like they were flying off the roof or or something and they landing and they had some kind of, it looked like a street, but it was like some kind of order, orderly or organized way that they were going and letting people off the buses. And um, so I was out in public and I could see the city and Nicholas wouldn't tell me what city I was in. He just didn't seem like that was important. He seemed like something was amiss or something was going awry that different than he was used to dealing with. And he asked me, he asked me like, do you know what's going to happen next in my timeline? And I was like, this is a weird question. I don't know. But somehow I had a connection to the information. And I said, well, if we're near Washington, DC, that would be bad because I didn't know why I would think that we would be near Washington, D.C. and just being like, oh, that would be bad, you know, like no big deal, kind of just nonchalant, like. So hang on, he asked you, he asked you what would happen in his timeline or your, this Yeah, that's that's what he asked me and I didn't realize what he was um, saying. I didn't realize that he was relating to me that um, his timeline was actually the one that we were in. You know, I was like, well, we're in this strange, his strange land and he's my caretaker. He obviously is the boss, you know, he knows what's going on more than me. And so I, I said, well, you know, it'd be bad if we were near Washington DC. And um, I wanted to ask him what city I was in. And this piece of technology kind of floated over like a drone, kind of like flew over and he grabbed it out of the air. He scanned it over his head and then he turned into uh, like, it almost looked like a machine person, but he looked like a person, but he had all white skin. He looked like also like he could have been made of parts, but I don't know. They could have been, you know, they could have been organic. I think they, from what he explained to me, they were, you know, organic biological people. They just looked this way. And I got really scared and I freaked out because I learned about transhumanism from cosmic disclosure. So I thought I was in this, um, terrible, like transhumanist land where they turned me into a robot. I didn't know. And these people, they literally looked like, you know, in Hollywood movies where you see the androids and they have that white skin, they look like they're made of parts, but they look like they're very humanoid or human looking. And he looked like himself, um, but just turned into a white white robot person. It's kind of freaky to me, but I didn't know where I was. So I ran over to some human looking girls, like young girls from the public. And I said, you know, I was trying to convince them never to turn into robots and let these devices scan their head and don't let your 
government, um, like don't give over to transhumanism. Don't let your government put chips in your hands. And I was like desperately trying to convince these girls not to be transhumanists. And they just kind of laughed at me. They were about, I'd say about 21 maybe. And they were just like, oh, (laughs) I'd never do that. Being a biological organism is so cool. And I was like, oh, okay they already know, uh, you know, they, they must have some awareness and they don't want to be robots. And they think being a biological person is the greatest thing around. And they use the same slang that I was familiar with. And I thought that was weird. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. So I went back to um, talk to Nicholas, like, what is going on? I don't know. I don't understand. And he looked like he was looking at the floor, like he didn't know what to do. And I thought, is he embarrassed? I can't even read their body language. They seem so normal, but I don't understand what's happening. I saw a sign that was in English and I was like, where am I? I thought maybe I was on another planet. I thought I remembered something about alien abduction, but this didn't seem like we were on a spaceship. So I was like, definitely not abducted by aliens, you know, and this sign was to the public, like a directional sign to tell people where to go when they got off the shuttle buses. But it was in English, English letters with English words, all capital letters. Like I could tell you what the font looks like. And, um, I could read the sign and I thought that's so strange. This public sign is in English. Where the heck am I? And I couldn't, after I came back, I couldn't remember specifically what was on the sign. But after I had a hypnotherapy session, I could, my hypnotherapist helped me recall what was on the sign. And so I was like, oh, well, this sign, I was looking for uh, the title of the hospital because I wanted to know where I was. What was on the sign? It was a directional sign. So it would, you know, when you go to hospitals in our land, you say you drive into the parking lot, there's maybe a directional sign like radiology over here and maternity this way. And, you know, you know, if you need to see the emergency room or have surgery and then you know where to go. So it was like that type of sign to tell people where to go in the, this facility when they would come, when they would arrive. And, um, Apparently, in my hypnotherapy session, I recalled the name of a doctor. That I, It was the only line that I had read on the sign because I realized it was in English. And, um, and then I just kind of discounted the sign altogether because I was looking for the title of the hospital. And this sign didn't have, it didn't contain the title or any mention of the city that I was in. And that's what I was looking for when I was trying to read the sign. But it wasn't on there. So I just was like, Oh, that, you know, I'll go ask Nicholas what's going on. So I went and I, I asked, I was going to ask him, you know, where am I? What city I'm in? What's going on? Really? I had no idea. They had crazy technology. They had ET nurse. They knew about transhumanism and he just had his hand kind of like this. He was embarrassed. And I, um, he said, we don't have transhumanism here. We don't have transhumanism in this timeline. And that's when it hit me like, oh my gosh, this is a totally different timeline than my own timeline. That must be where I am. And he's a robot. So he must be lying to me about not having transhumanism because that's what a transhumanist society would do. Right. And so when they were telling me the truth, I thought they were lying because we have cabal here. We've been lied to our whole life and our society is, you know, and 
So he started communicating with me telepathically. And I've heard Corey Good talk about interfacing before. And that's the only, and I don't know what that is, but that's the only way I can relate to how I conversated, mentally conversated with this my caretaker, Nicholas, with this being, and I know that Nicholas wasn't his real name. It's just the name that he told me it was to call him because that was familiar to my ear and that would be appropriate for me to call him. And so um, he started communicating telepathically and it was maybe only a few seconds or a couple minutes that we had this mental conversation and exchanged a lot of information about how his timeline related to mine and um, what was different, what had happened, and basically what I was doing at this facility. And one of the first things he said that stood out to me was, we don't have the military industrial complex here like you know it. I was like, whoa, how did that ever happen? So he explained to me their history, how our history was the same, where it diverged. Um, and basically they were, and he was talking about the Ascension event. And I, I had to, when I um, came back, I had to really kind of unpack this mental conversation for myself that basically if you had a conversation with someone and then you went off later and went about your day and then someone asked you, oh, what did you talk about? with that person. I want to know every little detail. You'd have to go back and think, oh, what did it, what it was it that we said exactly in the order that we said it, what we talked about. So I outlined that whole conversation in the document that I wrote online about what was exchanged telepathically to me about his timeline versus our timeline, what was different. And that's when I really understood I was in a parallel timeline and it was 2016 for both of us. We were in America. It, he didn't tell me that I was in Anaheim, California. I had to ask uh, some, what I called them skater boys from the public after Nicholas went off. I, um, my impression was that he had to go talk to his supervisors about what to do with me or what, uh, what was going on with me so he could understand me and what to do. Um, and so that's when I really understood where I was. But up to that point, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no okay. idea I was in a parallel you know, timeline. As I sit here listening to you, my logical brain kicks in and says, oh, my God, she just had some weird dream, which yeah. I would imagine that a lot of people who would be listening to you would think. Yeah. If any psychologists were watching this, they would, like, be dissecting your psyche I'm saying, sure. oh, that's just a fear of this and this is her relationship with her mother and blah, 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 right? <laughs> I that's, bet they would. <laughs> that, that, that's what that would be going on. But what I know is, especially over the last few years, speaking with some of the guests that I've had on my show, that anything is possible. The yeah. slogan on my website and on my emails is life is a journey of infinite possibility. And it, you know, anything is possible because we are creators and we create with our minds, you know, with our imagination, we, we create. Yeah. And, um, but we're not just creating while we're in physical bodies where the majority of us, are, you know, the majority of creation is happening from a non-physical perspective, from a non-physical yes, <laughs> perspective. And, and that 
broader perspective creates worlds and dimensions that we come and play in in these suits that we wear called bodies and these bodies exist in different densities and we're currently in a third dimensional density and and that's what we experience and and there are other physical body densities but they're different frequency different density so they had a different frequency than we did and I felt like this was way too uh, fantastical for me to just imagine up you know (laughs) I was like, I've, I've had a dream journal before I've written my dreams down and I've experienced, you know, trying to remember them pretty well. But this was, you know, I wrote like a 32 page document about this experience. And I was like, this is, this is way more than. Okay. So what I want to know is drummed up, you know, from my own. I want to know some of the details because I really think the only reason that that timeline and this timeline were colliding was that we are about to experience what they have already experienced. And that is post-disclosure, disclosure, cosmic, full disclosure. And I think, okay, Uh, they said to me, you don't think, you know. uh, So what they're telling me is that, you know, this conversation is happening and your experience is happening because we're being given some breadcrumbs, you know, baby steps. Uh And baby steps kind of, make it confusing because you're not we're not seeing the whole picture yes. but we're being led down a path where where all this is becoming possible yes i can't imagine when i look out into the mainstream world you know how people yeah okay people okay so they're saying to me that people can wake up pretty quickly and what's really interesting is that because I'm asking questions and I'm getting the messages from my guides. So they're telling me that you can can have a thought, a belief about reality and listen to someone like you and I talk like this and go, oh my God, that's crazy, batshit, stupid, crazy. And these people are just crazy, you know, and be really adamant about that. And then in an instant, you can change your perspective, perception and say, no, I never believed that. And actually forget that you believed something different and now you're in a new reality. And that's actually what they've shown me about third dimensional perspective because I look out into the world and the majority of people believe, you know, they're, they're inside this sort of very small box of belief. And I think, how are they ever going to all wake up? <laughs> but they are going to wake up and it's yeah. going to wake and, and it's going to happen reasonably quickly Whereas my awakening has been over like 30 years of discovery and discovery and discovery and expansion and expansion. And it can happen like, because I've spoken to a lot of people who've had, you know, Lisa Medhus, whose son shot himself. She was brought up by militant atheists and really (laughs) third dimensional, a doctor and a surgeon and and now she has a, you know, a blog and a YouTube and we, they discuss all sorts of phenomena, aliens and timelines and everything. And, and that's only happened in like a few years. I feel and like we're the, we're the guinea pigs, you know, we're the test subjects of this, for this information and how fast humanity is going to wake up. Because yes. <laughs> we're ready. And, you know, and Nicholas said to me uh, in his timeline, this disclosure happened in the early 1950s, but it wasn't really until the late 60s or early 70s that society kind of calmed down and they were more awakened. They didn't have their ascension event yet, which is what they were waiting for. And that's why they were doing timeline healing, because they felt that that would help everyone 
do that a little more easily. But he said that in our timeline, if this disclosure happened like it did in his timeline, our society would wake up fairly quickly within three to five years because we have the technology that we do now with the internet and uh, communication, just being a globally connected society and information traveling so quickly like it does. So he seemed very hopeful for us that if we could do it, it would happen very quickly for us. Whereas for his timeline, it did take a decade or so, maybe more. It actually, it actually has been taking hundreds of years. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's been taking hundreds of years because, you know, in the late 19th century, there were people talking about manifesting out of thin air and the seances yeah. and talking to spirit and all that sort of stuff. And But there were these really secretive little groups, you know what I mean? Whereas oh, yeah. I, I think in the 60s, you know, the, fla- the flower child, hippie, you know, the new age <laughs> movement began and, uh, and it sort of expanded and blossomed. Well, since 2012, it's been exponential because I've been involved in it pretty much my whole life. Yeah. But what I want to know is, so this is what my guides tell me about disclosure. They say because the human consciousness is so polarised and divisive, we can't even accept and love and live in harmony with each other, with different religions, with different races, you know, with different ideologies. So like the mainstream people would look at us and say, oh, you crazy new age people, you're all, you know, you know, what drugs are you on? And, you know, like, so there's this constant judgment and bombardment of criticism against our own human race. And they said, until you guys can get a diversity and difference and come to this place of radical, unconditional acceptance and love. Yes, compassion. Compassion and we can't... Societal And empathy, you know, empathy. I mean, you know, the divisiveness is so deeply sort of entrenched in us it's like there's the rich and the poor and the black and the white and the mm-hmm. and you know people that live in this suburb and that suburb and and the kids at school uh, the, the different gangs that gang up so they said until you can start to heal that as a collective consciousness we can't introduce you to your cosmic family yes, exactly because I- they're so different to you and and this is what I want to discuss with you because I noticed that in my experience, too. Mm -hmm. I had an interaction with what I just call skater boys. They looked like stereotypical skater boys from our timeline, and I expected them to be these punk little kids and give me a punk attitude about asking them where I was. And But they were so kind and just compassionate and open and receptive to receiving me. And I was just like, wow, my whole worldview about the stereotypes of these kids and maybe they are skater boys in their timeline, but they are compassionate. The way that they see themselves and the world is totally different. They just have a societal compassion. They couldn't lie like we can because they had, you know, telepathy. And I noticed that, uh, yeah, empathy. And I noticed that I thought that I was being lied to even when I was being told the truth. Like when Nicholas said, we don't have transhumanism in this timeline, I was like, oh, you're obviously lying because you're the robot and that's what robots would say in a transhumanist society. And so I found that so interesting that I'm like, damaged goods being here in this timeline I thought that I was being lied to even when I was being told the truth and I thought these skater boys were gonna be little punks and they were so kind and just the light in their eyes was so kind what they were doing with you when I was listening to your story 
they were experimenting with the third dimensional consciousness that we yes. currently live in, which says I can get ripped off. Um, people can lie to me. And so basically our mass media perpetuates a fear-based consciousness, which is just yeah. rife in our society that says, look out, watch out, you're in danger. People mm-hmm. are going to rip you off. Like Bad a, things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. And so we're constantly on the defence. You know what I mean? We're constantly, we're defending, we do it inside our families. We do it in our streets, on the road. We do it in ourselves. <laughs> we, we do, do it, it in you know, and, and this is the consciousness that has been dominant in our society. And, you know, when you go to places like India, it's even bigger. I remember that when I was in India, because of the poverty that exists there, there's just so much defense and it's all about me and what can I get because it's like a survival instinct. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So... I love that perspective. They were experimenting with what is their density consciousness. Like, I love that because they were obviously fourth density already. Exactly. And fourth density or fifth density would be the recognition that we're all one and we're all in this together and that there's no such thing as survival because if you're ever in jeopardy, because you're one, you will be helped. And, you know, and so there's a lot of fear that's eliminated. Yeah. I did. I felt like they didn't have money there. And um, yes. when Nick left, he left me there and he was just like, stay here. But I didn't want to stay here. I wanted to get out in the city. I wanted to find a library. I want to get on one of these buses. And I was like, they don't have money. It's all going to be free. I don't have to pay money to get on the bus. You know, yeah. I'll just find my way around. I'll ask these compassionate people where I am. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, are you so you know, people have been talking about this for years. There's this fabulous guy that's, is he still alive? He might have died. He was like in his hundreds. And he created this utopian society and, and like an architect, you know, like it, it is possible. You've been to a place that lives this utopian society. What I want to know is, so the fear from the Galactic Federation is that if we, if we expose ourselves you know, Hollywood movies do this all the time. The aliens come and all the humans want to do is fight them because they're, they're in a consciousness that says, I'm in danger. And I have to fight you because I'm in danger. So I watched recently Arrival, the latest. Oh, yeah. And so there's this arrival of this alien race. And the consciousness in the movie is like the consciousness, the third dimensional consciousness. What do they want? Are they going to kill us? We've got to watch out. We're in danger. So that danger, divisive, polarized consciousness. We've got to have war against them. We've got to defend ourselves. We've got to have war against them. Exactly. So they've said to me. There are no good alien invasion movies where they all come down and they bring us better technology and they smite out our shadow government and they give us, uh, you know, quantum materializers and free energy. I have to say those movies. I want those. Exactly. Exactly. All the futuristic movies that Hollywood makes still perpetuates this idea of war. The fear. And, but I have to say the Arrival movie touched on, because there was no war, there was like a lot of countries talking about war, but um, the aliens came down to give us a new language, a universal language. And that was the sort of, uh, if you're, Sorry, I've just disclosed the movie, but... I love but, that. But, you know, the thing is that, that, that the movie was still very much showing our consciousness of fear. Yeah. And the military might. So what I want to know is when you were talking to Peter or Nicholas and you were asking Nicholas. about their timeline, yeah. when the, in the 50s, when disclosure happened in that timeline, how did that third-dimensional fear-based consciousness 
you know, how did it change? Well, how, how did people not want to fight the aliens and get scared and, you know, what happened? For them, so he didn't specify the details around the event or who it was, but he said someone from the American government told the American people the truth about, and he meant the truth about extraterrestrials and flying saucers. And he used the term UFO to describe these things before this event, and he used the term flying saucers to describe it after. So someone from the American government in the best interest and safety for the American people, which is how it, it came out as is they told the American people, look, there are peoples and races from other planets, from the stars visiting earth. They, this is what their ships, you know, we seen these flying saucers. There's this technology that's being used. And the, the Germans, I think it came out later that the Germans actually in the world wars that we were just gotten over, they had developed this technology with help from these other races through mental connection. And I think all this kind of information maybe came out later that might have seemed woo-woo crazy to, you know, the third dimensional consciousness. But someone from the government with the best interest in safety and education for the American people did the right thing. They, in a compassionate or act of, you know, they they couldn't stand the wrongdoing of the secrecy and the 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 direction the government would have headed if everything was kept secret and kept from the american people and you know top secret we're going to ally with these germans who have this technology and we're going to squander it for ourselves and not let anyone have it basically and not tell anyone and anything about aliens needs to be covered up and everybody needs to be uh, slandered, you know, their career, you know, need to be wrecked if they're spewing this conspiracy theory. And I think in the fifties for our timeline is when conspiracy theory, that term became used. And I got the sense that after this happened, there was a shift in consciousness and belief. There was some societal uprising or like societal upheaval or maybe chaos. I don't know if it was riding in the streets or like to that point, but there was some disturbance in society because everyone has to change their worldview, their religion or whatever says they have to adjust to this new information that is basically, it's like if you lived on an island and your chief comes to you and it's like, oh, we're a whole planet and there's countries over there with people just like us and they have, they talk differently and they got, uh, you know, different food and different music and you just have to change your perspective a little. And so that was an adjustment period for people, maybe about you know, the first five years for sure. And then after that, it was about, okay, now what do we do? What are these, you know, then they showed up and then they were like, oh, you did the right thing. And there was some kind of conflict between, I would say, more negatively polarized ETs and more positively polarized ETs 
on our planet or over our planet for the human, I know with human involvement, you know, like Corey Good says, that's kind of happening now. And it's kind of a digital information war and the good ETs and the bad ETs, they're trying to all, you know, they're kind of fighting over us, even though it's not literally. Well, here's the thing. I haven't listened to much of Corey Good, so I don't really know what he says. I'm only speaking to the people that I speak to on my show and my guides. So I speak to the Galactic Federation and what they tell me is that, our density has no negative ETs that are allowed to come play. And so we, we don't experience right. that. So they when, could all be like neutral when, or like, yeah, like from we, our perspective, got, they're negative, got a, but they're not really, I think that's what it is. Like from our perspective, they're from negative, our perspective they're not. the only negative thing that happens is the third dimensional polarized consciousness and Ooh, fear, yeah. basically. And a lot of people like the whole conspiracy theory is based in fear. It says, you know, they're lying to me, they're lying to me. And so that's a fear-based thing. But, you know, when you look at our society and how polarised we are, there's good reason that they're not disclosing because people are not mature enough, they're not consciously evolved enough to be able to cope with the information. And so that's why disclosure hasn't happened. And my guides have said to me that, you know, when you guys raise your vibration and feel more empathic and more connected, Mm-hmm. and come into like a, your spiritual evolution disclosure can happen but until that happens that's why I'm asking you about this timeline because right. obviously well it seemed like for them there was an adjustment period and mm-hmm. it was about 10 years and you know maybe after about five years they started showing up and being like oh hey here we are and they got benevolent assistance is what I think Nicholas said they got benevolent assistance from benevolent ETs to make the transition and they got all the technology, you know, released and they were told the truth and they didn't have internet, you know, so it was a little slower and our, their consciousness was at a different, their technology was at a different place. So it was a little slower to come about, you know, maybe over about 10 years. But for us, he said, say, you know, the president told everybody and, you know, Trump, for us, Trump is a little bit like, even us Americans are like, who, who is this guy? What is he? He's just kind of, for some of us, we think he's just a whack job. But, um, you know, if he came out to the American people and said, that, and told us that there are extraterrestrials and flying saucers, and this is real technology, and it's how they visit our planet, and then maybe disclosing or exposing whatever he may know about the top secretness or the shadowy um, underpinnings of what are, is happening in our society. You know, if he came out to the public in some, you know, off the wall, like live broadcast or something, Jimmy Kimmel show, I don't know basically went against his job, went against all of the things that he's been told not to do. And he told the American people about all of this stuff. It makes me wonder what transition would happen in the American country and globally as well. Because from what I understand, other countries have released their UFO files. Their governments have acknowledged that this kind of thing is real. And they're kind of waiting on the U.S. to be like, wake it up kind of thing. So it's interesting that in your story, it happened before the election and he was asking you about the election. 
Because as well, I had asked him about I uh, the message on the um, tag on the monkey's tag was Trump's defeat before you return, and I thought, oh, does that mean that Hillary's going to win? Or and after my experience when Trump won, I thought, oh, does that mean Trump uh, something's going to happen to Trump during? his presidency or during his life before I return back to the hospital again. So that I could have, you know, my perspective in the moment was um, that Hillary, this tag was, this message was telling me that Hillary was going to win the election. So I asked Peter, I said, if something happens in my country while I'm here, would you tell me about it? And so I thought, you know, that's what the message was saying. And then after Trump won, I was like, oh, maybe the message was actually saying, something was going to happen during Trump's presidency and that event would take place before they would abduct me back right. to the hospital. So, you know, what, what they've shown me about Trump is because, like, when it happened, I was just in disbelief, but I had, a, <laughs> I had a bit of a chat to my guides and this is what they've shown me about Trump and it's just what you've said. You I was know, the only one that wasn't disappointed at work. I was well, like, but, come on, guys, aren't you excited to see what's going to happen in our yeah. society? <laughs> yeah, ac- absolutely. We see that Trump is such a wild card. He's such a megalomaniac. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't follow the rules. He, he's th- th- yeah. he thinks he's above the law. He's so... He's such, he flaps his jaw. <laughs> he's so in ego that he may just be the very person mm-hmm. to disclose, to go That's against. That's what I thought. Yeah, you know, <laughs> because he is just like, don't tell me what to do. I do it my way and, and people love me. Like he's such a megalomaniac. He's where, already talked about the lizard people and there was no weapons of mass destruction. You can find YouTube videos of him yeah. saying. <laughs> so he might just well be the one, but, but disclosure is happening, you know, outside yeah. of politicians because yes, and it has people, to. people are waking up left, right and centre. Some of the people I've spoken to on my show, you know, one of the reasons I'm having this conversation with you now, and I don't think that you are crazy, is because of Garnet Schulhauser, who was this conservative corporate lawyer for like 30 years. And in his mid-50s, his spirit guide woke him up as a homeless man. <laughs> and he's written about four books of his adventures. But basically, Albert, who's his spirit guide, takes his astral form out of his physical form at night and flies him around the universes and shows oh. him different planets, different realities. He goes to the spirit side and he sees a whole lot of his, you know, dead friends and dead people, like talks to people like Hitler and Elvis and all sorts of people and the people. <laughs> That's great. But in his upcoming book, which is about to be released, he asked me to do a review on it. He goes to a parallel reality and he, he lands in New York. It's not the same parallel reality as you. It's a different okay. parallel reality. And he, he's in his astral form and he's in the ghetto in New York. Anyway, I won't go into what happens. People have to read. But he speaks about this different parallel reality that he visits in his astral form. There's just something about Garnet. That's so great. Yeah. Which, I've never, you know, I've tried to look up research about people visiting other timelines like this, and I haven't been able to find very much it's, good it's stuff not, out there. It's so that's that. really helpful for me that you were telling me that someone else goes to, they've been to visit a parallel yeah. reality in their astral form. And yeah. it's quite significantly different. It's not the same, you know, disclosure. I don't know if disclosure happened, but there were some historical events that happened that didn't happen or that were different that completely yeah. changed the course of history. And yeah. so 
in 2016, I think when he wrote that or when he had that adventure, it was significantly a different reality, although the same time and the same sort of physical. And he asked his, he asked his spirit guide, Albert, he said, do I exist in this reality? And he said, no, because he comes from Austrian descent. And he said, well, something happened that, that your parents didn't move to Canada because he comes from Canada and because of that or that your ancestors didn't come from Austria to Canada you you know your parents never met and you weren't born so basically he didn't exist oh, yeah. in that reality but he said but you do exist in other realities and it's just Nicholas told me that I did re- exist in his timeline he said that I was a teacher and I got that I was a teacher of older children than preschool and he said that I was a teacher and I had made a lot of good advances in education, but I felt there was more that I could do for humanity. So I had applied to this hospital facility, this facility, whatever it is, um, to have my timelines healed. And that's, you know, that's how, <laughs> that's what happened. So it's it so funny that he, you know, he got to ask his guide about himself in that timeline and his guide explained exactly why he didn't exist there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you'll have to watch out for that fourth book coming out with that with yeah. with, with that adventure. It, you know, he finished it last year, but the publishers are taking a good time in releasing it. I don't know why, right. but his books are amazing. The first one's called Dancing on a Stamp, and um, I'll put the link under this on the YouTube. You can find oh, my great. conversations with him, and and you can buy the books there on my Amazon link. Yeah. So I guess that having explored that with Garnet, I wanted to explore more of this with you. I think that possibly you can reconnect to your guides and have more of more information come to you I don't think that what you've experienced is a one-time event Um, I certainly would put up more you know make more videos or documents if I had another experience like that and I think also after that experience and what Nicholas explained to me during the telepathic communication, he said, we are all quantumly connected to ourselves in all of our timelines. And what I, and after that experience, I just felt like I was more quantumly, maybe telepathically connected to Nicholas too. So sometimes people have asked me in that timeline you visited, who is Trump or who am I, or who is this? And, and I'll, and I'll connect into being quantumly connected to myself and or to Nicholas in that timeline. And I'll answer their question. Like, you know, I think Trump in that timeline is a businessman, but he's not very good at it or something like that. And, um, you know, my friend asked me, who do you think I am in that timeline? And I was like, Oh, I see you in this jester outfit and you are a, you know, an entertainer. And that's how you help people realize archetypes to, um, help them wake up and and figure out who they are in the world and he was like that's so interesting because I do that already like this is not his profession but he kind of does that with a a kind of a he calls it sacred circus sacred circus type of group that he's a part of and I was like oh it's that's so funny that I didn't know you know and so it seems like we're all a higher vibratory frequency of ourselves in that in that timeline so it's like i'm i feel more connected to that timeline somehow and can exchange information yeah. so it's it's interesting so it's there's like, a lot a lot yeah. more to explore and um yeah you know because we're multi-dimensional in so many aspects i mean we're living all these 
lives in different dimensions on different planets in different times like uh future lives i'm very connected to my future life even as a child i I would look around and i'd think what the hell am i doing here these people are so primitive and like our medical (laughs) system i studied as a naturopath trying to find some answers to how people heal and i found all of it archaic all of it and allopathic medicine like drugs i just look at chemotherapy and i think we're going to look back at this in 20 or 30 or 50 years and we're going to say how could we have tortured people like this it's so archaic like i feel like i live in a prehistoric age yeah. <laughs> so i'm so connected you know, to my future self that um that reminded me when you were talking about our being connected to our future selves i had a dream and i feel like it's a memory from a future life and it, it could be a memory from my future in this life but i don't know it but we had teleportation and there there were big cities very tall kind of like cities in the sky even and the teleportation tubes that people would get into and I was I was in my my dream I was thinking oh I have to buy my ticket for that teleportation but I was kind of like unsure about the technology because it was fairly new and I was looking on a screen um, of someone using the technology just so I could get more accustomed to it and I was like I have to buy my ticket for this thing and the tube that people went into to do the teleportation had the apple logo on it and after i woke up i was just laughing (laughs) (laughs) of course apple uh yeah i had the apple logo on it (laughs) that's funny i know yeah i've actually felt i felt the same um about transport so in some other life i'm very involved in teleportation and transport because in this life i I get so frustrated that you have to get in a car and, and sit yeah. in the car for oh, hours. And and it's like, like, it just right? doesn't make sense to me how. And then my guides have said to me, well, the thing is that you are in third density, but you can play with time. You can actually play with time. And I did. When I was a naturopathic student in my late, in my mid-20s, I had to get to a school which was about half an hour away. I had to cross the bridge. Um, every day I was at this school, natural, you know, learning to be a naturopath, and I used to play with time. So I used to cover the clock up in the car and turn the music on and sing and be in a really high vibration all the way, like oh. sitting in peak hour traffic, right? In peak hour traffic in the morning, but instead of looking at the traffic and focusing on the traffic and saying, God, I hate this traffic and I hate the city and I, you know, it's taking so long and oh, look at all the traffic. Instead of being in a negative vibration, I would be in a high vibration and sing all the way there and I'd get there I'd get there in like 10 or 20 minutes which was impossible it was impossible (laughs) to do but I would get there on time and yet I sat in traffic so I used to play with time and and you can just because you're in third density doesn't mean you can't play with time and I remember someone was saying that they were with some other spiritual teacher and he was showing them about time too and they you know, to get from Sydney to Byron Bay is about, a, or it takes me 12 hours, but it, it, it's about a, if you really speed, about eight to 10 hour drive, right? It's a thousand kilometers away. And he, um, he did this trip with some people in like four or five hours, because again, he was just playing with time. Like he yeah. said, doesn't, you know, you can, we, we can expand and contract yeah. time. We can literally. When I was, 
reading in a book once um it was i think it was a hypnotherapy book but it was saying people say we don't have enough time you know i don't have enough time to do that but really we are the masters of time and we have yeah. all the time that we yeah. want or need to do anything yeah <laughs> absolutely and it was in my mid-20s mid to late 20s when i was to, that i made peace with time because i used oh, to do I like that, that. I used to do that thing all the time. We don't have enough time. There's not enough time. I'm running late. I'm running late. And my second husband was really into being really early. And he <laughs> was always freaked out about time. And I'd be really relaxed about it. And he'd say, you know, we're running late. We're running late. And I'd be like, just relax, just relax, just relax. <laughs> and, um, and he was always amazed at my, my concept of time. Like I just, um, yeah. I had a different idea about time and, uh, and he learned to relax a bit more around time instead of feeling like he always had to be there early and he didn't want to be late. And he was like always stressed out about, you know, running late and, and everything happened in the perfect time, you know, even yeah. where we'd hit peak hour traffic, we'd, we'd just move through it effortlessly and easily. And yeah, anyway, we could the talk synchronicities that. that happen just help me just remind me that we are the masters of time and somewhere out there, I must be, controlling this reality or have planned it out somehow because of how well, synchronistic things happen yeah well absolutely all the time you know your higher self your over soul or your yeah. broader perspective or whatever your god presence or divine self or whatever you want to call it we've given it a million names right right is the orchestrator of this life but you are co-creating with your higher self so we still get to think and imagine and create from a third dimensional physical mind perspective but at the same time, our higher self is, I wouldn't say in charge, but co-creating with us. And I learned that from Natalie Sudman, who I interviewed a couple of years ago, who was blown up in a bomb blast in Iraq. And she was in non-physical with a buddy. She called her spirit guide, her buddy. And they were designing her injuries. And the time happened from the bomb blast to the time she woke up was literally a a split second like the bomb went off she was unconscious and then she like woke up it was literally that fast but she spent like in non-physical the time that she spent there was like ages yeah months maybe years I don't know but it, it was a completely different time experience and she said that she was looking she was designing her injuries and her and her guide were saying, well, well, let's make her blind in one eye and let's look down that timeline and see how she manages as, you know, blind. Let's take her, let's take her hand yeah. off and see how she manages. And so they were doing different injuries and then looking down the timeline and seeing oh. her life play out in that time. Wow. <laughs> so they were they were, you know, playing with timelines and, and, then, and then choosing what time, what would happen in this timeline, what injuries she would have. And so she had partial sight in one eye and there's a picture of her and uh, the president because she was given a medal for being, she, she wasn't in the army actually, she was working in Iraq and, and working with the army and there's a picture of her and President Bush sitting on a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's written an amazing book called The Application of Impossible Things, which talks about her NDE and, and oh, the ex- so great. And her experience. So from that perspective, from our broader perspective, we are choosing what we will experience in different times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
There's a lot to think about, isn't there? (laughs) Well, I learned a technique to pick your timeline and pick what happens to you in your future based on certain choices that you wanted to make by going into meditation, basically, or self-hypnotherapy and looking at the different timelines and then choosing with your higher self which one you want to experience. And it just... it when you're talking about that story, it makes me just feel so empowered that we can do that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But you know, with every choice we make and every moment we're choosing timelines, yes. uh, I've had this discussion on one of my shows. I think it was with Taryn. Yeah. Lupo. We were talking about, we were talking about the Mandela effect and there's a movie. Oh, called, I love that. There's, a, there's a movie called sliding doors, you know, with Gwyneth Paltrow and she misses the train and then she catches the train. And, and in one reality, she catches her boyfriend having an affair. And in the other reality, she doesn't. And these two completely different timelines play out and they show it in the movie because of, and so that's oh, happening. Sliding doors. I'm going to have to watch that so one. That's happening all the time with every choice we make, we oh, choose yeah. a different timeline. We choose, we choose. Choose, we choose, we choose, we choose. 11 11. I've just looked at the clock. 11, 11. Oh, great. And, you know, Paul Selleck, another person I interviewed, an amazing channel. He was, in a, he was an American playwright, um, teacher at university for years. And, and last year, he went full time as being a spiritual teacher and channel. You know, his guides are always talking about choose your choice, your choice, your choice. So, in any minute, in any second of the day, we're choosing, and that choice yeah. creates the different timeline, like it creates the reality that we're on. And all your power, as the Seth book says, is in the now. Like, you can, <laughs> yeah, that's you right. can change your reality. Right. If Time doesn't exist. Everything yeah. is happening right now in the right. now. Everything's happening right now in the now. And if you're living a reality that you don't like, that you feel like you haven't chosen, you can literally make a different choice now and you'll shift it completely. And it yeah. happens and it can happen so quickly. And because time is speeding up, our density is shifting to a higher density. It means that we can literally play with time even quicker, you know, we can shift yes. our reality even quicker. So all things are possible. Life is a journey of infinite possibility. It sure is. <laughs> infinite possibility. So that's why I wanted to, there's, I've, we've got to go because I've got to go. I've got something else to all do. Right. I could talk to you, uh, you know, I, I've got more to ask you because I didn't even ask you about you. and Oh, yeah, about uh, why I was calling myself, myself Goddess Allison. It was because I wanted to teach other people how to be beautiful gods and goddesses in the world and manifest what they desire. And I didn't feel like quite like a goddess when I picked this name and I knew that I had to take on this vibration of this name so that I could grow into my own goddess self. Yeah. And so that's why I, I called it myself goddess Allison. Goddess Allison. Because that's yeah. right. I mean, we're all gods and goddesses and we're all an extension of source energy. We are yeah. co-creating with our higher self. And so when we, <laughs> when we quantumly merge with our higher self or, you know, take on more of our higher self, we have that knowing that we are the creators of our reality. Yes. You know, we think that God creates, but we are the God. So we are the we creator. Are creator gods. We are the creator gods. And, and, you know, taking on that persona, taking on that vibration just makes this ride of life so much more fascinating and interesting. Oh, yes. And so. I'm so glad that we could connect in this ride of life over the internet and share this information with so many beautiful humans who oh, are listening. I know. So- <laughs> Great. 
And Alison's doing a beautiful job of looking after our gorgeous galactic children that are coming in, yeah. you know, in preschool. They are. I've been in childcare, professional childcare for at least 10 years. And I can tell the difference between the kids in preschool when I started and the kids now that are coming in. It's, it's like, whoa, they're so turned on. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. So thank you, honey, for being on the show. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. And you can find out more about Alison. I'll put your link under the YouTube, but for people listening on audio, what's your website? AllisonG.net. So it's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-G-E-E.net. And also for my life coaching, for just free information and how to manifest quickly, I have a website that is GoddessAllison.com. Beautiful. Thanks, honey. Yeah, bye. (laughs) Bye. And remember, if you'd like to play with your consciousness and expand your horizons and find out more about who you are as a God, Goddess, creator of your reality, join our webinar series, The Inner Sanctum. What we do is I invite some of the guests that I have on the show to come on each month and we explore what they're talking about. Last month, we had the beautiful Danielle Gibbons who was channeling Mother Mary and she gave such a gorgeous message about self-nurture and self-care and self-love and especially as people who are teachers, spiritual teachers, putting themselves out there, nurturing other people. And uh, next month, we have Robbie Holtz. We're talking about the secrets of Aboriginal healing and awakening. Also, each month, I put on a webinar like Meet Your Spirit Guides, so connecting you to your spirit guides, your galactic family and your mob. I call my guides my mob. We talk about manifestation. We talk about manifesting what you want, how you are the creator of your reality. So join us in the inner sanctum and thanks for watching. I'll check you later. Bye for now. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want.